0: Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative, and I am in Epps, Alabama, at the 51st annual meeting of the Federation of Southern Co-ops. The Federation of Southern Co-ops was founded in 1967 during the civil rights movement where basically black farmers got together and worked together. Working together, they could get more done. They could pool their resources and accomplish a lot more. And Mr. Daniel Teague is our guest this morning. And, Daniel, where
1: are you from? I'm from a little town in central Mississippi called Salis, Mississippi. And uh, I grew up on a farm. I guess I've been around farming, me knowing that I was around farming, since about six years old, when my daddy first took me out to the fields. Six years, though? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a couple years ago. That's a few years ago.
0: (laughs) That's a few years ago.
1: So Dan, you from Mississippi uh, how long have you been involved with the Federation of Southern Co- ops? My first encounter with them was around two thousand four two thousand five I had an opportunity to take a job with a state association of the Federation, which is Mississippi Association of Cooperatives based in Jackson. I took that job in two thousand seven and i've been a I've been a part of it ever since okay and what what do you farm what do you I farm vegetables, a variety of vegetables. I guess if you want to refer to the vegetables as enterprises, I farm collard green, mustard green, kale, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, tomatoes, watermelons, peppers, peas, okra. But my top seller has always been collard greens. I guess I put more time into growing the collards than any of it. I think I want to follow you home, man. You need to name what I love. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: So why why is collard your your favorite? Are you the well, most time in the collard greens?
1: Well, when you go in a grocery store and you go down the produce aisle, there are two things you're going to see before any other product, and that's usually bananas and leafy greens. Every produce store I've ever been in their mainstay on the produce aisle is leafy greens and, and bananas. You're going to see those all the time when they're in season. And uh, they always sell. And I've seen grocery stores, I guess, from from Central Florida all the way to North Mississippi. And all of them got some bananas and they got some greens. So the greens was a easy choice for me because a gentleman moved – right across the road from my farm. And I knew he operated a store in Kosciuszko. So I approached him to see if he would purchase some greens from me. And he said, I'll buy the whole field. Mm. So I said, well, Mr. Sims, I said, uh, I want to sell a whole field. And he, I guess he was thinking I was going to go and bunch them up. But I was wanting to get them cut up and sell them to him like that, which I did. And Mr. Sims ended up telling me one day when I was selling him greens, he says, Daniel, I got another 14 stores. I said, okay. I said, I'd like to supply them. And uh, I started moving greens in about six of the stores, and that was more than enough. I tried to go to 14, but I couldn't hold up at it. Okay. And I had to back off, and I started concentrating on the six stores that he initially told me to try to sell in. And uh, that was over here in East Mississippi in Meridian, Canton. It was in uh, Greenwood. And he had a, another store in Charleston, and one in Wynonna. And that kept me busy for about seven years. And uh, my sons left, and it was just a little too much for Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> for you to I, do it all by yourself. Huh? I had to back up because good labor – that's a rare commodity in Central Mississippi. Hard to find some good, sturdy labor. It just ain't there.
0: So what what are some of the kinds of things you, the advantages for you being a member of the Federation? What are some of the kinds of things you get out of your
1: membership? Well, the Federation, when I first met Ben Burkett in Jackson, he talked about a co-op, and I took it back to Salas, and talked to one of my school teachers in high school. And we got together. And about two years, we had ended up forming a co-op. And then we got, uh, I guess, chartered through the state. And Mississippi Association, they they come out and talk to us. And we joined the federation. This was like 2006, 2007. And we've been members ever since. Okay. So
0: I heard you talk yesterday and you said that you in doing your college somewhere you learned some ways of how you can produce more per acre or per row or per something. Yes. Did you get that out of the federation? Out of your membership? Yes, or? I
1: got it out of I got it from Mr. Ben Burkett. He was the head guy at Mississippi Association of co- Cooperatives and he told me he informed me about a program. I guess the NRCS sponsored it, but I gained the knowledge from him of of what the program was, which was a small farmer initiative. And what they helped me do was they helped me get a a deep well for irrigation, and I could irrigate my greens. which made a substantial difference. So wait a minute. You you learned from them how to create a well. What I learned from the Federation was how to leverage – the agencies at USDA, mm-hmm. and the the first agency I approached was the one called Natural Resource Conservation Service, NRCS, mm-hmm. and that's who helped me with the well. They did a cost share, but the knowledge was gained through the federation to know that NRCS was out there doing what they were doing, and uh, that really changed the dynamics of what I was doing. Because I went from producing about, I guess, about 1,000 pounds per acre to about 3,000 pounds per acre with the irrigation. Wow. Made a big, big difference. And I, uh, I was very grateful for, for that knowledge. And uh, then Mr. Me, Brother Daniel, get, Daniel, Brother Daniel, you say
0: you got three times more productivity from an acre yes. by having the irrigation. So I assume that's three times more money in your pocket.
1: Well, that's whatever. So <laughs> they want to increase the bottom line.
0: So, yeah, total grateful. All right. Same amount of work, more productivity. Well,
1: same amount of greens, same square footage of greens. Right. More profit per acre. Got it. A little more work, though. A little more work. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay, I guess you got you got you got to pick them a, a okay. little more. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Picking three times more. Okay. Yeah. All right. But if you got the, I guess the product. The thing is, if you if you got more product, you should be able to move more product. Right. And the thing that was really positive about it, Mister Sim could absorb all of that group. And that made, that made my job a little easier. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I knew it wasn't a conventional way of marketing, but sometimes things just work out. Yes. Yep. Yeah.
0: So in the Federation, they told you about some of the programs at the Department of Agriculture, U.S. Department of Agriculture. You took advantage of that, so you were able to get a cost share to get that well built, which means you had better irrigation so you can produce more right found wonderful man wonderful anything else you get out of out of the federation or the members in the federation well
1: well when we when we were initially trying to form our co-op in ottala county the uh, mississippi association which is a part of the federation came out several visits to make sure that we were trying to implement a good i guess implementation i guess to, the, 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 the foresight of the business plan they helped in all aspects of what we were trying to do which I think helped us become a better co op or members of the co op right work together. There was a good facilitator in that and helping us get there as a as a group and that was that was a plus. Sometimes it's hard for a group of people to work together. <laughs> Amen <laughs>
0: So the federation through the Mississippi chapter helped you all form that cooperative, and so that, so that you all could, I guess, work better together, know how to operate together, have your right bylaws, how to ma- have meetings, and all of that. Right. Okay. And what was the function of
1: the co-op in Mississippi? What, what was the purpose? Well, we formed we formed a Tallahatchie self help co-op. We formed around a group of of cattle farmers cattle ranches or whatever you want to call them, that's the way we form. But now I guess I would always thought that if you didn't have access to the acres, that you can take a few seed and you can turn probably $2 worth of seed into $2,000 easily. But you got to grow vegetables. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a horticulture access to it because I know – some, some tomato plants I've planted, and, and, and they produce 40 pounds of tomatoes to the plant. You think about it, if you put, I don't know, maybe 10 cents in two seeds, and you end up grossing 40 pounds of tomatoes, then you can see the correlation between minimum input and more profit.
0: Yep. I wish farming was that easy, though.
1: <laughs> no, it's not that easy. You gotta, have, you gotta have some knowledge of farming, and I got, I guess, I guess, my father. I didn't like trying to farm. I guess when I was fourteen, fifteen, seventeen, even twenty years old. Right. But the thing that he instilled in me was the work ethic and the knowledge of how to get the produce out the ground. And that proved invaluable when I came back and said, well, I'm going to try to grow this and try to sell it. And I had the knowledge of growing. Mm -hmm. I just needed to try to figure out how to market it. But I remember when I was in Milwaukee, too, I had the opportunity to attend some leadership seminars and different things. And I remember going to a class where they uh, brought in uh, Stephen Covey. Hmm. And he had put a book out, The Seven Habits of oh. Highly Effective People, right. and in that they passed out another book, and it had in there guerrilla marketing. And when I approached Mister Sims, I was on a direct basis, one on one, face to face, and that was my that was how I first got started with my collard green market, and it proved out pretty much just like. The uh, Stephen Covey and the folks that was putting on that that seminar in Milwaukee too, it proved out. Sir
0: Daniel, thank you so very much, buddy. Right. Thank you a lot. Everybody else out there, we'll get to the next person. Thank you guys.
2: Washington, D.C.'s News Talk,
1: 1450
0: AM WOM at 95.9 FM. Information is power. Welcome back. This is Vernon Oaks with the program Everything Cooperative. I am in Epps, Alabama at the 51st Annual Meeting of the Federation of Southern Co-ops. And with me today is Shirley Cody. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. So, tell me, Shirley, uh, where are you from?
3: I'm from Fort Gaines, Georgia, which is Clay County.
0: Okay. And how are you related to the Federation of Southern Co-ops?
3: Well, I joined the Federation because my father was once in the uh, Federation, and I started attending the meetings with him, and when he passed away, we inherited uh, my father's farm. And so... I became a farmer.
4: Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) What were you doing before you became a farmer?
3: Well, before then, my first career, I was a nurse. Mm -hmm. And uh, later, went back to school and got my degree in early childhood education.
0: (laughs) From nurse to education to farming. Yes. Always nurturing something. Yes. Okay. 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 And so... How has the Federation helped you in your farming?
3: Well, one of the things that I appreciate the, the Federation was to have a, a place that I could get training on how to properly operate a farm, how to plant, all the things that I needed technically to do a farm, especially being a, a, a woman in farm business. Um, uh, they were able to help me with all of the different trainings. When you first uh, start farming, you need to know your soil. You need to know the properties that's in your soil, what your soil need, so that you could grow. And I had to learn the difference between your regular farming and your produce-type farming because there are different things that each one of those vegetables – they require certain nutrients in your soil for them to be productive. So I had to learn what to plant and when to plant it and what is needed for those plants to survive and to grow. And I wanted to grow the best.
0: All right. <laughs> so, what do you grow?
3: Well, right now, uh, we just had a, a crop of collard greens, corn, tomatoes, kale, and we had white potatoes as well.
0: All right, I'm going to follow you home <laughs> <for> college <laughs> and kale. Yes. With some potatoes. Yes. All right, tomatoes and corn. Yes. Where do you sell to?
3: Right now, we started a small market. And what we did, since I left one thing out, I also have another career that was added to all the other careers, I'm also a minister. And so I use the platform.
0: you still nurturing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit, the soul, the nursing, the education. Okay. Yes. All right.
3: I use that platform for my market. Uh, the women, the elderly in my community, they don't, don't know how to, well, they are too old to farm, to actually plant those vegetables and those are the kind of things that they like to eat so they were so excited that I would be able to provide them those different types of vegetables and so when I did my very first selling of the plants and and vegetables and everything they say that mine was the best they had ever had Mm. they said they that remind them of when their parents grew. And it's because I don't believe in using uh, your regular fertilizer. I like the natural type fertilizer for my plants. And because it it really is better for your body and everything. So that's why I had to learn which would be the best things to do. And so I kind of like organic. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So the elderly supports my market they uh, put in their order, and we uh, have one day out of the month when they can come in and pick up their order. And so that has been my platform, and the business is growing because other community families have heard about it through their church. And so the word now is growing, so I'm going to have to expand my business (laughs) because of – my reputation for having a, a good quality vegetables. And so because of that, I will have to start expanding my growth, and especially coming up in the fall, because they are looking forward to all of the greens, not only the collars. I will have a big demand for turnips, the kale, and all of those greens that we can provide because of the sea scent. And so that means that I will have to get busy because the season is coming up on us, that we need to get those greens in the ground.
0: So (laughs) it's not too late now?
3: Oh, no. This is perfect. Perfect time for those fall crops.
0: Oh, I guess in Georgia, uh, back in West Virginia, if you hadn't planted them. You wouldn't get them by now, okay, because it'll get, get ready to start getting cold in November, October, November. Well, George so you, is a little better. Yeah.
3: We yeah. have a larger window. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so how many acres do you farm? Four. Four acres? Four. And the, but you have to go to four, five, six, seven, eight acres now if you just well, demand? yes,
3: yes, but this is what I propose. With the members that... Uh, is joining my cooperative. I'm newly forming a cooperative, which is going to be called the Days Community Cooperative. Um, I will have others that have land to become producers as well, and they will help me to keep up with the demand by using their land as a place to grow. So we are going to be encouraging those members to join and produce.
0: So the day's community cooperative will be farmers. Farmers. will be members of yes, the co-op.
3: Yes, yes. Not the in
0: consumer, not the people buying it. No, they
3: okay. will be producers. Okay. And But they have the opportunity, though, you know, to purchase if they would like because, you know, that's another way to make your cooperative grow. And you make money both ways, (laughs) as a producer and a consumer.
0: Does the Federation help you to develop the Dave Community Cooperative?
3: Yes. Yes, we, uh, Mr. Keith, uh, Cornelius Keith, and Kathy Kendrick, they have been very supportive. They know my community, and uh, they've been working with me over the years, and they have seen that the needs are growing. And um, Clay County is one of those unique counties. It's um, very few things that you can actually do there. Farming used to be one of the major things, but what happened, we lost a lot of of farms because uh, people moving away, going to other places to live, and a lot of property. We just lost thousands of acres. Uh, to uh, some families in Clay County. And it has hurt us because that was one of the things that we had as a resource.
0: you saying, were you talking about black people? Yes. Okay. All
3: of this. And in fact, my community is an all black community. And my father and uh, his friends and families, they developed that community. And we are trying to preserve it, we're trying to hold on to it. Even though they brought in. The water system, which is called the George T. Bagby, large and park and everything, and they created a dam. And we thought that was going to be our window of opportunity for everything, for bringing in businesses and everything. But because they wanted total control and just to take over, we we refuse to let anybody get our property, <laughs> and we're trying to hold on to it. And I'm trying to help my families to realize those are your resources, Mm -hmm. and you got to use what you have and And to develop, that's right, those things, so that your children and other children down through the generations will have something to be proud of because that was what my father taught me.
0: Not only be proud of owning land, but also that's the way to make money. Yes, and and sustaining is. self.
3: Yes, it well, you're is. you're not
0: dependent on white man Yes, of okay. course. And I understand that when you say they were trying to get control, that's the white folks yes. that created the dam. Yes. That, uh, and then they, they wanted to get control. They did that,
3: and they wanted to control everything. They wanted everything to be developed as far as what they were wanted to implement. And they wanted our community Because, see, we have already developed it. (laughs) And the only thing uh, now is just taking it to another level, letting them know we don't have to farm like our ancestors did. There are other opportunities. We still need those producers. We still need those people that can do farming like, you know, our ancestors, but on a different level, then have a, a market so that we can make money with those things. So one of the things I like about the Federation, they have helped us to look at what we have and how to take those things and, and develop them into jobs, right. creating jobs for people. Not only jobs, but then making money so that uh, we can feed our families because we have a new generation now. More young people uh, being born in our area. At one time the, it, it, it was big families but they moved away. So now it's a new generation and we got to find a way to entertain them and let them know farming is not like the old time of the way I grew up. See, I grew up having to pick cotton <laughs> and I grew up having to shake those peanuts and pull that cord and pull the weeds out of the peanuts. <laughs> but see, they, they were looking at that in a negative way. But you don't have to do that anymore. Hmm. So we're going to capitalize on having the federation to help us to educate our young people and letting them know that there are many possibilities. And uh, with the youth programs and stuff like that, we want to try to incorporate that into our school system because if we don't, we're going to lose a generation and they're not going to know what's out there available for them because this is their future and they need to know. Amen.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. You're welcome. Ms. Shirley. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody else out there. We'll get to the next person. Thank you guys.
2: Washington DC's news talk. 1450 AM. W. O. And 95.9 FM.
0: Information is power. Welcome back. This is Vernon Oaks with the program Everything Cooperative. I am going to be talking to Barbara Lang, known as Babs. She is from Texas, Liberty, Texas. Good morning, Barbara.
4: Good morning. How are
0: you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Yeah. How are you associated with the Federation of Southern Cooperatives?
4: I'm the executive director of an organization in Texas called the Landowners Association of Texas. And our association with the federation is very, very widespread. We've been involved with the federation for over twenty-five years.
0: Okay, it's so about half the time the federation's been in existence because they ha- they celebrate fifty-one years. This this is their fifty-first. Okay. So you've been twenty-five years of that. Yeah,
4: and we celebrated our fortieth anniversary about two months ago.
0: So how many members do you have? And the-
4: we have we have a total membership of the Landowners Association in nine different chapters across Texas, approximately a 1,000 members. And some of us are members of the Federation individually, individual members. Some of us are lifetime members. And, of course, the Landowners Association is an affiliate of the Federation.
0: So what do you learn at the Federation? Why are you a member of the Federation?
4: The Federation has what we call the kind of moxie that you need for agencies who are representing a lot of people in a very diverse area. The Federation serves the purpose to us to be the liaison, the link, the educator, as it relates to most of the USDA programs. If I might just give you one little example.
0: Please do, please,
4: please. Recently... We worked on the development of a forestry program in a cooperative model, and Monica, who is the attorney for the Federation, came down, spent all kinds of times with us, worked at helping us to do a feasibility study, market study, and corresponded after returning to her office with us to the point that we officially wrote a proposal a forestry proposal that we would not have been able to even attack. As a result, we got known by people in the endowment, the forestry endowment and later being involved with members from the board, from the endowment board, which gave us a advocacy position with the endowment. This never would have happened without the Federation contacts that we have and the Federation's holding our hands through this process.
0: Well, Monica Range has been on the program, on everything co-op program. And by the way, when she was on, I got more calls than I have at any other given time. Yeah, she is great. I really appreciate uh, what she does and sound like you do too. Yes. Any other examples of what the relationship between the Federation and you guys are?
4: The most exciting thing and the most exciting time that I can remember, and I have no idea how many years it was, but it was quite a few. The background for the Pickford lawsuit, we came here and talked in its infancy with the attorneys who took that all the way up to, to Washington, who successfully got all of the things necessary so that we could get, the Federation could get, and the, most of all, the farmers could get the resources that they had been cheated out of. We saw that through the completion and through the lawsuit coming to fruition. After that happened, we had a whole other big piece to do.
0: But uh, let me just, for people that don't know, what is the Pickford lawsuit?
4: We had a situation in the United States pre-50s, early 50s, where black people who owned land had been cheated out of an opportunity to do business because either they were denied bank loans or they were denied grants, and therefore they couldn't obtain the resources to buy seeds, fertilizer, farm equipment, and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the federation involved with its series of, of uh, hearings and technical support from a whole group of attorneys. Uh, I, I like to remember uh, Attorney Laurie most of all. Okay. And they went to bat, and the lawsuit was won. It's called the Pickford Lawsuit, so that individuals who were not able to do what they could have done with their farms were cheated from that opportunity.
0: And, and I would think that the individual farmers could not have had the wherewithal, the finances, to go fight the government. When they, they wouldn't
4: couldn't. even have the knowledge, the, the inclination that that was even possible. possible. without big brother, the Federation, and the attorneys retained by the Federation, to be able to embark on such a piece. This is what I mean. They walk with us, they hold our hands through situations, and they have so many specialists like Monica hmm. and Cornelius and, of course, Ralph and, and many others that we've worked with. We never could capture that kind of expertise or that kind of talent. So that in itself made it possible for us to be able to help many, many farmers who were able to go back several years, many, many years, and document the fact that they, in fact, had not been able to do the farming that they could possibly have done had they had the resources to buy seeds.
0: And so USDA or other government entities were helping white farmers, but they weren't helping black farmers.
4: absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. You you could lose your farm. As a matter of fact, our excitement related to the Federation Landowners Association. That is, our whole mission is to work towards the goal of acquisition of land, retention of land, and development of land. And most of all, where is the wealth that can come from the land? Right. And that is so consistent with the with the Federation, and. Most of all, both of us are in a situation where we do not want to see another black person's land land on the courthouse steps at the auction.
0: Right, right. Yeah, Cornelius was on the show, and Monica both said that there was something like in 1910, if my memory goes right, black farmers had 30 million acres of land, and right now there's less than 3 million acres of land. Absolutely. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. So that just shows you, even with the last census, how fast our land is winding up on the courthouse steps. Uh, and, And that has a lot to do with people moving to New York, abandoning, not paying taxes and this kind of thing. So I guess what I'm saying to you, we have the Pickford Settlement. We did a lot of things, but the Federation's job is not over with. And we look forward to be able to work with them in many other capacities that will keep people's land off the out step and generate wealth for the farmers who are trying very hard to make this a productive activity and support their families.
0: So, how do you create wealth? You got a group of people, both Texas and your group, and then in in the federation. They're representing 13 states. So you have all of these different people that have land, want to farm, or don't know how to farm, and they come to the federation as as a group. So they create this cooperative. Right. And as a group, they learn. That's the fifth principle of cooperation, education, knowledge, and information. Right. Constant learning. Okay.
4: Well, I I would like to use uh, another little analogy The Federation helps us with what I like to call the five Bs, and that is prior preparation prevents poor performance.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Say that again for me.
4: Prior preparation prevents prevents poor performance. All right. Therefore, if you don't know what NRCS has for you, you haven't prepared yourself. If you don't know what FSA has for you, if you don't know anything about USDA, then you're apt to fail. But if you do know, you will be able to retain your land, to do something productive, to have a product, to survive, and not only survive, but to realize wealth for the use of your land, through the use of your land, just like many, many, many other individuals in our society. White people know it so well, and they've got it down so well, We need uh, extra special help because we're still thinking that land and working land may have something to do with slavery.
3: Mm. And
4: so we get despondent and we get disgusted and we don't want to deal with the land. Therefore, the five P's kicks in. And that's what we both have to work so hard that our people are prepared and that they do it prior to going to the table. And they will not fail. And so I would say that we help each other through doing the prior preparation to avoid poor performance.
0: So with the preparation, you get good performance. Absolutely. You get success. Absolutely. You create assets. You create wealth. That's right. Okay. Okay. For yourself, for your family, for your children and grandchildren and on down.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. We are steadily trying to make farming as sexy as any other professional or any other career so that we can see that farming or dealing with ranching is a career is something related to production something related to wealth and is not a hobby
0: not a hobby thank you so very much you're welcome we got to take a final break but we'll be right back and uh, please don't touch that down
2: Washington DC's News Talk, 1450 AMWO
0: at 95.9 FM. Information is power. Welcome back. This is Vernon Oakes with the program Everything Cooperative. I am in Epps, Alabama at the Federation of Southern Co ops 51st Annual Meeting. And the sun is going down and it's dark down here, but I've got the chance to interview a couple young people. Shanice Turner with Emmanuel Laidlaw Holly and Daniel Rosebud, it goes by Rosebud from the Opportunity Youth United. Good evening, everybody.
5: Good evening. Thank you for having us here. Yes, thank,
0: you. thank you so much. All right, Shanice, what is, what is your organization? What do you do?
5: So, with OYU, we're called Opportunity Youth United, and we are one of the um, co-founders for organizations, and we have our goal for connecting 1 million youth.
0: Connecting One, 1 million youth to do what?
5: To do job trainings, to careers, to opportunities, to doing something to put matters into the workforce. It's unfortunate that so many young people are unemployed or not in school or just sitting there, but Opportunity youth, which means young people between the ages of 16 and 24 who need work, who need help. So we have sponsoring organizations who come from Year Up and City Year and Public Allies and the Conservation Corps as well to help us put together this caucus, what is called Opportunity Youth. We are located everywhere from Atlanta to Chicago to L.A. to New York and Boston.
0: So what. So is this a co-op?
5: It's more like a collective impact of groups coming together to solve an issue.
0: Well, that sounds like what co-ops do, but I got it. It's not a co-op, but it's a collaboration. And Mr. Rosebud, yes,
2: yes, what, yes. what do you do? I sit locally. I'm also a national member. When you say locally, what local? So when Shanice explains that we're a group of people that work collaboratively, it starts nationally, but the hopes is that that work trickles down to to our local organization, that also mm-hmm. kind of like push the work. But so, where, where
0: are you? What part of the world? What part of the
2: Atlanta, Georgia? So you are okay. Yeah, out of the southeast, hosted by United Way as the Youth Council. I sit there, and I am the head of quality assurance for them, for our group, for our quality council. assurance, quality assurance, quality control. So, our work within the state of Georgia is to assist 13 counties in capacity building. Within that work. We tool the CBOs, which are community-based organizations, nonprofits that offer youth services to 18- and 24-year-olds. And through that tooling, we look to give them data tools that collect information, help them better communicate what their results are to federal government, gaining more funding, or even just better communicating the services that they're offering to youth. So when I say quality control or quality assurance, we're looking to make sure that the data that is being gathered by organizations are appropriate, like it's useful data. Um, mm-hmm. Numbers of students that are being affected, numbers of students that are disconnected. How do we better the orientation process? How do we, how do we implement better pathways to better assist this group of 18 to 24-year-olds connect to work and school? So ensuring that there is quality in that, in that intake process, quality in that orientation process, quality in the community partners that are connected to the work and that are connecting the youth, it would be my space. So you're doing quality
0: control in everything that you guys are doing locally in Atlanta locally. or nationally?
2: Locally, locally for, for the 13 counties. So that's the – we're just starting, so some of that work hasn't taken place yet, but yes, locally. And Shanice,
0: where are you working out of? What what part of the world do you work out of?
5: I do both local work with the United Way community action team and national with Opportunities United known as Oyu.
0: So what what's your local address? Where are you?
5: So my local means I am are, are doing, you in Atlanta
0: too, is what I'm trying to get.
5: To. Oh Atlanta, yes. You're in
0: Atlanta? Yes. You're in Atlanta. Do you all go to school or have you graduated from college or
5: Yes, nah? we um Rosebud and I both graduated from a program called Year Up which is a one-year IT training program that teaches young people known as Opportunity Youth about IT, building computers, public speaking, business management, and how do you sell your own brand. You go on internship or training for six months in a classroom setting, mm-hmm. and then for the next six months, you're placed on an internship based on the track that you went into. The track can be program management, it can be IT, or it could be software or hardware as well. And then you're placed on an internship based on that track. You sometimes even graduate with a career as well, and most likely a certification and a diploma and a certificate of completion, as well as 21 college credits as well.
2: Okay. Okay. I like to call that an apprenticeship just because we're paid during that portion. And I think that there, I mean, the organization calls it an internship, but Mm -hmm. just to make that statement, apprenticeship, meaning that most of our time at the organization, we're working parts of that organization. Once we're placed with the, with the, with the company and then we're, we're compensated for that time. So what were you going to say? You had
0: no, no, no. So, so you get this apprenticeship internship, you get a degree certificate, And then you get a job and then you go help other people do
2: similar Mm -hmm. kinds of things, but basically how to get a job. Essentially. Yeah. So when you think about the work nationally and even locally, we're trying to reconnect a group of, or what we call a group of much needed people, right? 18 to 24 year olds. So whether they're not in school Or at work, but at the end of the day, a job is the result that we're looking for. And when you think about that job, you ask yourself, well, once a young adult is on a job, how do they sustain it? So that kind of brings up the question about education, the question about the quality of education. That brings about, asks you questions about the community. So essentially, yes, the the program that we were involved in kind of tackled all edges, but the result was sought to have a job for employment at the end of the day.
0: Do you have a sense of how many young people you all have helped already? Right. Your goal is a million. That's a big, lofty goal.
2: Yeah, I love it, but how are you doing? Well, that's a national goal. okay. And she's speaking from a national standpoint when she says a million for a local standpoint, it's a little bit different sitting on the council because we're not directly we're not always directly connecting the youth from our from our position with United way with United Way being a technical organization um, and them housing us, there's a couple of political issues or not necessarily political issues, but some liabilities that they try to steer away from. So we're unable to do the direct work in that way. So we advise policy and standard. When I say that um, even when I'm talking about being over quality control or anything like that, I'm not the person going in to perform the quality control. I'm the guy creating the data collection tools and drawing out the, uh, the loop, what they call a quality loop, the the feedback loop um, to get the information in. If we we some, would affect, uh, that number would be a little bit different.
0: So if there are some young people that might be listening to this program, want to find out how can they get into this loop to help, for somebody to help them find a job, how would they go about doing that?
2: What loop? I want to make well, sure if, that we're, if you, we're if clearly If somebody says,
0: I'm looking for a job, you guys are helping people find jobs, how do they reach out to you?
2: They don't they don't reach out to us. Our goal is to better the organizations that are already doing the work. So they would reach increase their connectivity.
0: So they would reach out to different like United Way places or
5: If they want to learn more about what we're doing, OYU always do job postings in different cities. Um, You can text OYU, and I say OYU to 22828, and you'll receive a newsletter, and you'll be able to sign up with us to bridge our goal to the one connecting one million youth to opportunities. And there's always job postings, such as um, being a civic liaison or doing other events. Like how we're here in Birmingham is because of OYU and the connection with United Way, being a community action team, wanting their local Atlanta young people here to be a great representation, but also to bring back the resources and information from Birmingham and bring it to Atlanta.
0: So give me that web page or telephone number again. You said that a little quick for me.
5: Okay. Oyu. Yes. Oyu. Text Oyu to two two eight two eight.
0: That's the part I didn't get.
5: Yes, you can always visit our website at OyuUnited.org.
0: Okay, so text. Yes. Two two eight two eight. Yes. Or web pages OyuUnited.org.
5: Yes, and it's um, one U and United. So it's like the U and
0: the Nite is together. N I T E. Okay. O Y U N I T E D dot O R G.
5: That's it. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, if there's a young person out there who would like to get connected to other youth that are looking for how they can get jobs, how you can better yourself, these two young people are very articulate and have a lot of self confidence, which is I'm totally impressed with. You can text 22828 or go online to O-Y-U-N-I-T-E-D dot O-R-G to get information in whatever part of the U.S. you might be at, or for that matter, wherever part of the world. But they're looking to help one million young folk get jobs between 18 and 24, 16 and 24.
2: Yes. The opportunity youth demographic is actually 16 to 24, but we focus primarily on 18 to 24 because that's that's an age where you can get a technical job. So while you're ending a program or what we call a pathway, we can ensure that you're of age and now you're actually tooled and you, you have the skill to, to get the job. But um, the movement is for 16 to 24-year-olds because those, those are transitional periods and ages where people are disconnected from work and or school.
0: Listen, I want to thank you guys very much for sharing this information with us.
5: Thank you. It's our pleasure.
0: Everybody out there, please have a wonderful, wonderful week and live cooperatively.
2: Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM WOM and 95.9 FM.